0: Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. Welcome back to Make Your Marketing Podcast. Today I have the privilege of talking with Gazala Uradnik of GFS Events. Gazala is not only a longtime friend of mine, but she's a client and we've worked together with other nonprofits. She started working with nonprofits in 2012 when she created GFS Events because she was on a nonprofit board and volunteered and could see that they needed help in fundraising and strategic event planning. So we wanted to talk to her about her success because she has grown and also kind of talk to her about the Pivot to doing virtual online events and also some great tips to nonprofits if you are out there listening on how to market the nonprofit and events. So, welcome to the show, Gazala. Thank you, Pia. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I've known you since 2000, I think. So, and I've seen you start GFS events. Can you tell us a little bit about what you saw and what inspired you to start your own business to help other nonprofits?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have always been in that nonprofit space. I did strategic planning and business development on the hospital side. I actually have a master's in health administration. So I did a lot of work with hospitals, health administrations. And so it was a, a natural transition to go into the nonprofit world because hospitals are one of the biggest nonprofits. And so mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to be in that space. And I also knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I liked, I liked the excitement of being an entrepreneur building building my own company building my own team so i knew that that was going to happen too and i really enjoyed fundraising so i i actually like getting out there and talking to people and asking for money and so all of those things put together i realized that the probably the place where nonprofits needed the most support was around events and that's wh- why we are now gfs events Originally started kind of consulting, wanting to help boards of, of smaller nonprofits, but realized where they could use the most support and where we could really, really help them was around their events and fundraising events specifically.
0: So what do you do for them to help them kick off a great event?
1: Good question. So we really do everything from soup to nuts. So we start off with a timeline And a strategy, we help them set their goals and objectives. Sometimes we'll talk to a nonprofit and I'll say, the first thing question I'll ask is how much do you want to raise? And it's interesting to me how many times people don't know how much they want to raise. Really? Yeah, they don't. They're like, we're not sure. Um, They don't know what their budget is. And so we really, really want to lay the foundation of a good strategy behind the event. So what are your goals? What are your objectives? Because it isn't always about fundraising. Sometimes it's about community outreach. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's about being present in the community and for people, you know, out it be people to know who they are. So it isn't always about raising a specific dollar amount. And so once we've done that, once we've kind of um, set that in place, we do a timeline, and then we work with them on all the logistical aspects. So whether that's acquiring a venue or figuring out, you know, if it's an auction, your auctioneer, your MC, we help with procurement. We provide sponsorship consultation, and then we also provide some email and social media marketing consultation. And by that, what I mean is we help them with here's this calendar of when posts should go out. We don't necessarily write their posts for them, but we give them some, some good ideas. And then also kind of a skeletal outline of like logistics around the event. So they know how to promote the event.
0: Wow. So you are the full package. That's, that's awesome. I wasn't aware that you helped them with the marketing part of it. So since this is a marketing podcast, what are some of the tips that you have for marketing and uh, fundraising an event?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the things that nonprofits suffer from is they're really afraid of reaching out to their donors too much. I don't know if you've ever signed up for Something PL like you know like I get an email probably once or twice a day from Starbucks, Nordstrom's, like any mm-hmm. any place I've ever shopped like sends me emails right, mm-hmm. and so nonprofits are like oh my gosh I can't send an email I sent an email two weeks ago, and so I think one of the things that <laughs> that nonprofits need to realize is that it's okay for your donors and your community and your audience to hear from you. They don't have to hear from you once a month, you know, at your newsletter. They can hear from you more often. And when you're doing planning an event, it needs to be very often. We need yeah. to send out emails and social media posts very, very frequently because it'll take people anywhere from four to eight times before they actually make a commitment to attend an event. They'll hear about it and they won't register. They won't register. So it takes a lot of touches for people to actually do that. So one of the bi- biggest pieces of advice is that communicate with your audience more frequently and that's what we we encourage our clients when they are building a calendar when we build a calendar for them is that we want to reach out to people more frequently
0: that's a great piece of advice because i think for any client We we run into this as well where they just feel like, oh, I don't want to be too pushy or salesy or put ourselves out there that often. But what they don't realize is how loud the, you know, interwebs are and and how noisy it is. And really, even if you're on every platform, chances are they're they're probably only gonna see one post. Maybe they'll see an email, maybe two, but you're definitely if you think you're not communicating enough, then you probably aren't being seen at all.
1: Exactly. Well, and repetition is key, right? I'm sure you, mm-hmm. you do, you know, you, you need to repeat yourself on multiple platform and repeat yourself on, on the same platform, because it's the same thing where people are just like, uh, you're clicking delete a lot on email. So you need yeah. to be in front of people so that they will see your, see your posts and your, your emails and your newsletters.
0: Yeah. What other tips can you share with us? As you may know, the last
1: year and a half, so many events have gone virtual. So, one of the things that we do recommend for a virtual event is also some physical pieces. So, we're encouraging almost all of our clients that even when your event is virtual, let's send a physical invitation postcard. There's very little tangible items in a virtual event. You know, you're not seeing people, you're not getting to eat and drink. So, having a physical uh, mailer. Connects you a little bit more to your donor. And what's really been working well too is in that physical mailer, even including immediately the link to donate because people will Mm. see that. They'll put potentially put that event on their calendar. But if you've got a link there that they can go to and make a donation, that's also, you know, you're getting a donation early and you may also get it again later during the event. So that's been super helpful is that physical piece. We're encouraging that quite a bit.
0: That's great. And then I think I saw on one or maybe many of your events that for attendees of the event, you'll send, send like a care box or care surprise box out to them. What's in that? Yeah, you know, that can vary. People
1: are loving those. We call them kind of gala in a box or an event box. And we've done everything. We've done full on dinners, like an actual dinner, three course wow. dinner that people can either heat up or it's already warm when they are when it arrives we are doing right now, we have a client who is um, based in Nepal and their event is in um, early October. And so we're actually doing these beautiful gift boxes that are going to have Nepalese prayer flags. We have handmade cards in there. We have like some Nepalese recipes and spice packets. And so it really can be very creative. But whatever you do in your gala box, it should be slightly mission oriented. So whatever your mission is, it should match. So another example is we have another client that's a youth mentoring organization. And so they're including some fun baseball hats and, and some hot chocolate so that the mentors and the mentees can kind of you know have hot chocolate together. And so things that are just a somehow related to your mission and your organization and the work you do are super important. It, it shouldn't just be random items. There should be a story behind it. So it makes sense to the donor.
0: I love that. And I'm assuming you help them come up with those creative ideas. We do. Yeah, we come up with the ideas. We
1: also help source the items. We just had one client say, can you also now package the items and get them out there? So wow. We're, we're willing to, to work with our clients depending on um, all their bandwidth because we know so many nonprofits, there's it's mostly volunteers that, that are doing the work.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I do know that the nonprofits sometimes put their websites at the, the back burner and don't really think about that as a marketing tool. You, you came out with a great article and I'll have a link to it in the show notes about how to improve your website for a better brand for your nonprofit. Can you give us some takeaways from that article?
1: Yeah, you know, what, and the the interesting thing is, is sometimes we're like, we were like, when we were talking about that, it's like, these seem so obvious, right? Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's the thing with nonprofits is that, they are afraid to market themselves, right? I mean, a mm-hmm. business will market itself, will will advertise, will put themselves out there. And I think with a, a website, I mean, with a nonprofit, your website is your, is your showpiece. It's the place where people will go to. So it needs to be it needs to be relevant. It needs to be accessible. It needs to function well. I mean, those are just some, some basic things. I'm sure you could talk for hours on some of the nonprofit (laughs) websites you've seen and the improvements, but there's just some, some basic things that we recommend. And when you're having an event, for example, we have clients who don't even have their event on their website. It's nowhere to be found. Mm. Like literally you can't find it So having your header change as you get closer to your fundraising event so that, you know, and I know there are there are parameters, you might have to have other pieces on your on your front and center website page, but having it be uh, very, very visible is going to be important if you are trying to drive people to your event and to fundraise. And then I've also seen where sometimes we can't even find the donate button, like,
0: I know I was gonna say that was one of your tips, and I'm like, really? that's the, that's the low bar. <laughs> like, please make it easy for us to donate to you. Have it be on every page, right?
1: Sometimes you have to go from page to page to find it, and it's like it should be everywhere. And there are some good examples out there where as soon as you see the the website pop up, the donate button also pops up too. So I think those are mm-hmm. those are some easy things. and and certainly, I'm sure you've probably got some um, good examples of really, optimal sites that you could provide to and I think we listed a couple in the article as well.
0: That's great. Yeah, and just so the audience knows, our team did design Gazala's website, GFS events, and with your whole team was in on it, which was great cuz it was it was very creative and also a great place to share your story and your vision for your nonprofit. The copy, the words are very important as well, so that's a big deal as well. So let's go back to PC pre COVID. And you have this great nonprofit, you've got a booked calendar with all these events, and they start shutting down. What take me back to that, that time where you were having to cancel and then how you kind of pulled yourself out of that and helped your clients shift.
1: So March of 2020, we had either eight or nine events on the calendar. And I really, I remember this vividly because I was actually in Florida and we were, my whole team was at an event. It was the very end of February and we had two events the following week, first week of March. And as you know, Seattle was the, pretty much the epicenter of the COVID outbreak. And mm-hmm. so in the U S and so we had two clients that week that said, we we're we don't know what to do. We're not. We're. We are not we do not think we can have this event. One was an 800 person event, and yeah. so that was going to be a huge. It could have potentially been a disaster if it had taken place. Knowing now, knowing what we know, you know, it just it, it was a really good thing that we decided to just turn it virtual. So that's what we started to do. We realized some of the events that we had in March moved to other months they moved to the fall thinking we'd be safe there. And, you know, of course we, everything eventually turned virtual all the way through 2020 and now into 2021 as well. But it was just, I think one of the things I've I've been asked this question quite a bit. I think one of the things that we found is we, we didn't have a choice. Like I feel, I feel like the nonprofits didn't have a choice. You can't, we couldn't say, Oh, okay, we'll wait till next year because that money is what is, Helping them run their organizations, provide their missions and and they had to continue. so it wasn't a choice. and so how could we do this? What could we do? And so we just came up with different ideas. We use things that are honestly very typical marketing tools that you know so well, Pia, I mean video, mm-hmm. right? How many times have you told me put video on your website <laughs> put video out there. <laughs> we started recording. we did it with iPhones because again, you know their timing was tight and and then And time was tight. So we used we used video iPhone, we used iPhone videos, we put out as many social posts as we could, we turned everything virtual, you know, click here to donate. Most of our events made or exceeded their fundraising goals in March, April, May and June. And then as the time moved on, we became more sophisticated. We partnered with a lot of production companies in studios and created really what I would call one to two hour mini movies, TV shows, because that's what they were, right? You're telling mm-hmm. a story. If it's an auction, you're actually conducting the auction. And so we learned a lot about, and still continue to do that, about production and different platforms and things like that. So, and we're still continuing that. I think, unfortunately, we, we, we were in that in-person space for a little bit <laughs> this summer, <laughs> and it's turning back to virtual. A lot of clients are feeling that the virtual space is still a little bit more comfortable for their donors right now, because not everyone is feeling like they can get back into a room with, you know, three or 400 people.
0: Yeah, well, thank God that there's solutions out there and that you you were so fast in in pivoting for your clients. So thankfully, they had you on their team, and that you were quick thinking. And the fact that you raised your goal, if not more for them during this time, right?
1: Well, it was, it was one, I mean, honestly, it was a a wonderful thing because um, the costs were lower. So, right. We, we didn't have our venue costs. We didn't have our food costs and we didn't have, you know, the, the alcohol costs and things like that. So that made a big difference. And so even now, as we're looking at, you know, into the future, some of the production as we're weighing, do we do a hybrid? Do we have people in the room and go virtual? The reality is that's like having two events and you're doubling the yeah. costs. And so, you yeah. know, for some organizations, it makes sense. And for others, it makes more sense to s- simply go virtual. And people have been asking me like, well, is that the future? Is, is, is everyone, are we always going to be virtual or are we always going to have a hybrid component? And I really, truly believe that at the heart of, um, of all of us, we want to be together. Like, I just think that I think that pretty soon when that's possible and completely possible, the virtual stuff may continue here and there, but it's not going to be the center of what an event will be. It will truly be that coming together, telling the stories in the same room, connecting. That's going to be, you know, we're going to get back to that at some point.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. And as an extrovert, I agree even more, <laughs> but especially for nonprofits, because it's so heart-centered and you don't really get that emotion as much as if you were in person. So, yeah, yeah. So what are your plans for GFS events? Like, you know, aside from the hybrid events and the uncertainty of the future, I know you've grown your team to how many? Five? Four or five? five? of us now. Mm-hmm. Five. Yeah, that's awesome. From just you, Just right? me, <laughs> Yeah. And you have a new brick and mortar office. Congratulations. Downtown Falls City. Yeah. And if anyone's local, they can pop in. It's across from the coffee shop. What's the name of the coffee shop? Aroma Coffee. Aroma Coffee. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you have to check it out. What are some stories, success stories that you've seen? So I imagine that there are some nonprofits out there that are thinking, oh my God, I can't, like, we can't even afford the basics. How are we going to afford to hire a consultant? And that's just an added expense. And I have my volunteers. What can you say to them to change their minds or maybe have them consider hiring you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get that a lot, right? We, we, yeah. we, work, with, we work with large and small nonprofits. We work with organizations that have no staff, 100% volunteer. And I think the thing to think about is that we're not we're not a transactional expense. We're we're transformational. I mean, we really take your event from beginning to end. And we do raise more money for you than you can on your own. And it's not because we bring in this amazing list of donors or sponsors, or we have a magic wand. It's because Mm -hmm. we provide you the bandwidth to do what only you can do. And then we provide, you know, systematic process in place to help you do it. So- when clients are like, oh, I don't know how to ask for this. What do I say? How do I say it? We provide scripting when they're, you know, when they're not sure about whether we should do a specific strategy for, you know, a fundraiser, we can tell them best practices, we can say, hey, you know what, this really worked, it, it does work, we, we suggest you do it again, or This was a huge fail. (laughs) We tried it at these (laughs) two events. Do not do this. So we're able to provide best practices because, again, most organizations are doing one event a year. You know, we're doing multiple events throughout the year. And so we see things that work and things that don't even while we're planning an event. So we've had clients where we're going in one direction and we've just done something and we'll say to them, hey, this did not work last week. So let's just turn into a different direction and try something new. So we're, we're always trying to improve our own processes as we're working on a client. So for most clients, I've had clients say, you know, it's been their, it's been their biggest expense ever that they've done, but it's been worth it because they were able to raise more money.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I've been reading your your stories on your website and it's amazing the success that you guys have with the events and and all the handholding that you do for your clients constantly looking at the creative ways that your team steps up for for these nonprofits do you have something on your website that perhaps the audience can take a look at or maybe share maybe some tips or or kind of uh Way to share GFS events?
1: Absolutely, we have a donor engagement page. Uh, verse, especially when you're trying to engage your donors virtually. So we have like top five best practices for that. So, so um, get you our um, GFS newsletter as well. So you can be on that, and we send that out once a month. It's the, a monthly digest, and it just gives lots of other additional tips and ideas yeah, and really and things resourceful.
0: like that. Yeah. So I'll have the link in the show notes as well. So now I know you have three kids and the summer was a little different for everyone. Was there anything that you guys did that was very family oriented that was fun for you? Did you go anywhere? I know you love to travel, Gazala. I do. I do. Well, you know,
1: I, I we haven't done it yet because we we spent, gosh, like 10,000 days together during COVID. <laughs> so all five of us. No, You counted them. <laughs> Well, I mean, not, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm being a little facetious, but we spent a lot yeah. of time together. So when things opened up, my oldest daughter moved to Portland. My, you know, my middle daughter actually went to San Diego this summer to do an internship. And my son is, it's his last summer. So he's spending a lot of time with friends. But we do have planned at the end of August, early September, the five of us are going to be together in Michigan. We're going to travel to go see Maya, who starts her it'll be her first week of classes but we're going to spend some time together in michigan with all of our family so i'm super That's excited great. because it'll be it'll be my mom and you know lots of lots of cousins and everyone together so i'm excited about that, that that'll be mad. the only time we'll be together this summer honestly
0: well that sounds magical especially because most of us couldn't do any holiday celebrations last year it was so surreal yeah well thank you so much for joining us and I know that you provided a lot of takeaways. If you you want to follow up with Gazala and just have a chat about how she can help your nonprofit, where can they find you, Gazala? What's the best place?
1: Yeah, we are on a variety of different places. We are on Facebook events, Instagram, GFS events, and then LinkedIn. You can connect directly with me or GFS events. You can follow GFS events.
0: Fantastic. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And by the way, you can also email me cause I'd love to hear from you. Email me at pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you wanna chat about. Thanks again for listening.